Please turn with me now in your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1. I want you to find Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read a section from Acts chapter 1, but also a, a few verses from Mark chapter 16, Mark chapter 16. So Acts chapter 1 and Mark chapter 16. 16. And this evening we're going to be looking at the ascension of Christ and what it preaches or teaches us today from the right hand of the majesty on high. And just to go back over a little bit what have we looked at in previous weeks, uh, Christ the Son of Man uh, from all eternity assumed human flesh. He became the Son of Man and that served A purpose, a purpose from eternity past carried out in time and a purpose that would glorify the Son of God, a purpose that would glorify the Father and a purpose that would glorify the Holy Spirit, the triune God. We also saw how Christ's resurrection was so important last week, last Sabbath day. Um, if he had not risen from the dead, uh, he is not alive and he's still in the grave. So without the resurrection, there is no Christianity at all. He is true God and true man. And he lives forever as true God and true man. And as rising from the dead, he is triumphant over his enemies. That enemy, death, placed under his feet. But you might be saying, is there more? There is. There is more. He rose from the dead, but he ascended to be with his father in heaven. He went up, taken up in the cloud, ever to be at the right hand of the majesty on high. And this happens 40 days after he rises from the grave. He ascends in a way that openly proclaims something. And proclaims a number of things. One of the things is he does it openly to glorify himself, but he's going to return in like manner. As in, he went away visibly, he will return visibly. It brings our minds as well away from our earthly concerns and things that would weigh us down to heaven. We are to be heavenly minded for that's where our master is. And as we read, as we read these two sections of God's holy word, let us think about the ascension, what it teaches and proclaims to us today, because it does have something to teach us. It's not just, well, he, he rose and then he went up into heaven. It teaches us far more than that. It teaches us far more than that. So the first section we're going to read is Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to to 11, let us hear God's holy and his infallible word. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, 
but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who has taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Amen. And we'll also turn out Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. We're going to read from verses 9 to verse 20 of Mark chapter 16. Let us hear God's holy and his infallible word. Mark chapter 16 verses 9 to 20. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. And after that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his holy and his infallible word. Much of our focus this evening will be focusing on Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, but we'll also be looking at some verses as well from the end of Mark chapter 16. Jesus The Christ, the Son of God, was very much the greatest teacher to ever walk the face of the earth. And he's the greatest teacher who ever will walk the face of the earth. The man of great wisdom and truth. Uh, And no doubt his answers and guidance to the apostles and the disciples as they walked with him gave great comfort and great guidance. 
One thing men need in the ministry is mentors. Mentors. We, you need to be surrounded by good men who will give good advice. And it's vitally important. No doubt the Lord, and he did give much good advice. Not everything the Lord said is written in the scriptures. We live in a day, it seems, when there are fewer and fewer godly mentors around. So when we do find these godly mentors who do encourage us to follow God and to not worry about men and what men will think of us, well, they are worth their weight in gold, aren't they? It's hard when that mentor is no longer there. And no doubt the disciples feared when Jesus would eventually go away, as he said, or go to be with his father. And Jesus had to tell them that it would be for their benefit that he went away. No one wants to lose their mentor. But they did not realize him going away and what it meant in a sense that they would be closer to him. Because of what the ascension would mean. Going to be with the father, his right hand, was more beneficial Not just for them, but for us as well. I think we'd all love to be able to sit down physically with the risen Christ. But it would be more beneficial for him to send forth his gifts from the right hand of the majesty on high. In John 16, 16, it says, A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will will see me, because I go to the Father. But he also promised them he would not leave them orphans. He would not abandon them and he does not abandon us today as he sends forth the Holy Spirit. He sends forth greater help today. There's something, more, there's something really wonderful in the ascension. How glorious and how much help the Lord affords his people. He's been given all authority both in heaven and earth. And he's with us. If you're a believer, he is with you. Lo, until the end of the age, until the end of time itself. So let us learn this evening of the blessings of Christ going to be with his Father for us, his people. Number one, our first point of what the ascension teaches or proclaims, the first thing it proclaims is proof. Proof or evidence proclaiming proof. Um, Verses one to three of Acts chapter one. Luke, who wrote this under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, Luke, the same author who wrote the Gospel of Luke, he's writing again to a man by the name of Theophilus, and he writes it to really take away doubts that this Theophilus may have about certain facts. It says in verses 1 to 3 of Acts chapter 1, The former account I made, O Theophilus, that all that Jesus began to do and teach Until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible or unmistakable proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now this is really speaking about the infallible proofs specifically that he would show them after he rose from the dead. But there's also another infallible proof 
the ascension itself. Uh, things that show that Jesus did everything he said he would do as prophesied in the Old Testament, exactly as proclaimed. Now, there are different extremes we can go into when we think of proof and think of evidence. Christianity is not just about proofs, is it? But it it is not without proof. It's not a blind jump in the dark. There's danger with all forms of Christianity of having unbiblical extremes. Now, when I use the word extreme, much of what we do as a church will always seem extreme to the world. Um, Much of what we do in the church is always going to seem strange to sing to Christ. That seems strange, doesn't it, to people? If anybody came in off the street um, to, to... to preach from a book that's 2,000 years old, that will seem strange to most people. And preaching, preaching, explaining from this book, that will seem strange to the vast majority of people. But I don't mean that way. I mean extreme in another sense. In reacting, say, to the culture, we go to the exact opposite. You know, the culture says black, we want to go white. Sometimes that's okay. Sometimes it's actually not the wrong way to go. But sometimes we can go into a new era by doing this. It's not just a cold, detached, intellectual religion. It's not just, I have my proofs. I know these are the facts. I know what they are. And that's it. That's not Christianity either. But it has... Proofs or evidences that show that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is the Messiah, that He is the one spoken of by the Scriptures. For example, there's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that refer to Jesus Christ. It would be very easy to prove for any of the skeptics out there that one of these failed and not anybody can. But it's not just about the mind, is it? It's also about the heart. And we don't want to go to the other extreme either where we just kind of go, well, we, we want to have a, a head full of knowledge but no heart. But we don't want to have the other extreme where it's just all feelings and no facts. That's not good either. Uh, the facts we need to love. The evidence we need to love. See, Luke is writing here in the beginning of Acts chapter 1. He's writing to Theophilus. He's presenting proofs. So that he will have more confidence in what is being talked about. If we look at the beginning of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And in Luke chapter 1, he has this very similar introduction as well. Luke chapter 1 verse 4. And he writes to what he's calling most excellent Theophilus, most likely the same man. And he says to him at the beginning of Luke's gospel, that you may know the certainty of those things which you were instructed. So he gives all these these things that he has documented and other things to show that these things are certain. Absolutely certain. Why is this important? Well, if we don't have proofs and evidences, we're going to have doubts, aren't we? And it's normal. It's normal. We're going to have questions. What about this? And I had lots of doubts when I was first saved. And 
And you, you have to wrestle with these and come before the Lord. And you know, maybe the answer gets answered quickly, but maybe it doesn't. So in verse 3 of Acts chapter 1, to whom he also presented himself alive, that's one of these infallible evidences after he's suffering by many infallible proofs. Jesus proved that he rose from the dead. He showed it to him. He showed it to many witnesses. He presented himself as proof. We can't have a Christianity that is just believe because it's, it's true. We're going to have a generation that will rise up and they'll have questions. And they have every right to have questions. God in the Bible does not present us a blind faith. We may not have the answer and that's okay. That's okay. But there is an answer out there. Jesus who ascended on high did so openly and visibly. And what, why did he do that? If you think about it, why didn't he just go, he, he rose from the dead, he spent 40 days with them, teaching them, reassuring them, giving them hope and encouragement, building up their faith. He wanted them to be sure of this, that they would not doubt now, no doubt, doubting has been kind of, it's good to be honest, but at the same time, if we have many doubts, our lack of certainty will weaken our faith. There's no doubt about it. If, if, you are, if we ever face persecution in Northern Ireland, how many will be willing to suffer for something that goes, I'm not exactly sure if this is true? doesn't make much sense, does it? But if you're certain this is true, if you're certain that this, this is the truth, well, you'd be glad to suffer for it when the time comes. Because, dear friends, when persecution does come, you think, well, what am I suffering for this for? Is it worth it? So our doubts have reassurances and proofs given to us by Scripture. So that it builds up our assurance. And how do we grow in this? We study. Uh, Paul wrote to, to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable. We have a prophet in the world. This is the most profitable thing you have in the world. Profitable for your soul. All scripture is profitable. And so we study. With the help of the Holy Spirit, with our hearts and minds attentive, receiving the truths in here, and then the word is being confirmed, or you know, re- our hearts are being reassured as we grow in these things. And as the Lord ascends on high, what happens? There's greater assurance given, cer- greater certainty given, and look what the result is in Mark chapter 16, verse 20. Mark chapter 16, verse 20, and yes, this is after Pentecost, but they're given greater certainty of the truths of the Christian faith. And no no longer are they cowering um, like they were before, hiding away in the room. They're going out preaching everywhere. Mark, Mark chapter 16, verse 20, and they went out, preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs. Amen. And they weren't, they preached everywhere. And friends, it was much harder, I would say, for them to go preaching everywhere than it is today. There was no such thing as freedom of religion in much of the world back then. Um, well, 
not for a new religion anyway, which, which a lot of them would have seen it as. So there was much risk, but when, when the Spirit of God works in us and we're sure that this is the truth and we use our minds in these things and we are assured of these things, well, we'll be much more glad, won't we? And much more confident and bold to share it before the world. So proclaiming proof, because the ascension is the ultimate proof that he is God. Number two now, our second of three points, proclaiming promise, proclaiming promise. So the mind matters, but so does trust. We need to rest, receive these truths. Again, it is not some cold mechanical relationship with God. There is a big danger of that. There's the danger of the cold, mechanical, head full of knowledge um, where I knew of a very godly man who, amazing intellect. He said he could beat anybody in the debate, but he didn't know the Lord. It was all about the Christian faith. He knew loads of things about the Bible, but it was only when he had about, it was about 20, 21, the Lord saved him. We must have a heart that rests upon these truths. It says in verses 4 and 5 of Acts chapter 1. 4 and 5 and being assembled together with them. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. But to wait for the promise of the Father. Which he said you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now, and that word promise, it does mean promise, but it can also be translated to kind of a, a declaration. There's a content to this promise. And what was the promise? The, the Father declares that he will send the Holy Spirit. And that happens at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. And the Holy Spirit is always working in the world. It, it was beginning to work at the time of Adam and Eve, The Holy Spirit's omnipresent. But the the Holy Spirit came in an extraordinary way from Pentecost onwards. Greater blessing, greater inward change, greater help from on high. Uh, Jesus goes to be with his Father. He says, look, I need to go to my Father in order for this to happen. In John chapter 16, verses 7 to 11. Jesus said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. And this probably seemed very strange to him. No, no, no. You just, you just got here. We just got to know you. Don't go. Uh, no, no. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, that is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. See what he's saying. If I go away, it is to your advantage and benefit. If I go to ascend to, he says, my God and your God. It is for your benefit and the promise comes the ascension proclaims this promise to all who believe all who repent and trust in Jesus that this promise is given unto them them and their seed after them 
The promise comes after the ascension of Christ into heaven. Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39. Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. This promise is for his people. His people. He would pour out his spirit upon them. Isn't that a wonderful thing? He's at the right hand of the majesty on high today. He is ascended today. And he has promised to pour out his spirit on his people. Baptizing them spiritually. This is what the ascension promises. This is what the ascension proclaims. To send the Spirit. And again, yes, the Spirit of God was at work in the Old Testament too. But there's a way that there's much greater blessings. The kingdom advances. The kingdom advances. Jesus said this in John 14, 12. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these he will do. Because I go to my Father. Do you see how it benefits? Do you see how it's, it's good for us? I go away, Jesus saying, and greater works you will do. Now, not greater in terms of miracles. Nobody could do any better than, than Jesus in that aspect. But think about it from this point of view. How many people have been saved since Jesus ascended? Compared to how many people were saved when Jesus was upon the earth? Greater works than these. This is the, the amazing thing. How are these greater works possible? Well, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is all powerful. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. The Holy Spirit has everything under his control. And because the Son is at the right hand, he sends out this blessing. Now, I know sometimes maybe we can read in the Old Testament and you think, I don't know if you do this, but you think, oh, wouldn't it have been amazing to live at that time? You know, sometimes we read of certain people in the Old Testament and think, maybe we're a bit too critical and thinking, how did he do that? You know, whatever was David or Solomon, and oh yeah, if I was living back then, I wouldn't have done that. We probably would have done worse, if we're being honest. Um, We have been given, in the New Testament era, a greater measure of the Spirit of God than David and Solomon experienced. Isn't that amazing? The outpouring of the Spirit of God in the New Testament era is greater. Now we can learn obviously much from the Old Testament. Uh, we can obviously learn from every single part of the Bible. But we should be so grateful to live in the era we live in. Greater outpourings, greater measure of blessings. Because Christ sits on the throne today. The wrath of God has been dealt with, peace purchased, blessings sent forth. And this is why the ascension is so important. I think sometimes the ascension can become a bit of a tag on at the end of the resurrection. But there's greater blessings than even for the Old Testament saints that we have. God's people in the Old Testament, suffered greatly inwardly and outwardly as, as they do today. 
But what do we have that even the Old Testament writers didn't have? Greater inward spiritual help than they had. Now, think of Psalm 42, verses 5 and 6. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted in me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Now, people, saints, are just going to be as cast down today as they were back then. Verse 6, O my soul, O my God, my soul is cast down within me. There's great inward suffering and there's great outward suffering. Actually, if you look throughout the Bible, some of the greatest suffering is not even the outward physical suffering. It's the inward turmoil that people go through. Your soul will feel cast down at times, just as they did in the past. But think about the greater help we have today. They had help too from the Lord. But we have a greater measure of the Spirit. It says in verse 5 of Acts chapter 1, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. And look how it transformed them. Look how it changed them. They were there and they were, they were told to wait for the power of the Spirit to come upon them. And it changed them. And brothers and sisters, we may think, okay, that was, that was the first century. In times of revival, God pours out his Spirit in the church, changing the church. It starts in the church. It starts in our hearts. It starts in our homes. It starts in our own lives. And then it overflows to the community around us. If you look at revival in the, in the Bible, it starts with the people of God. And then, by God's grace, it flows out from there. This blessed baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are some people who believe that this is only for some believers. You'll, you'll probably hear this teaching that, well, you get saved and people might even ask you, have you had the baptism yet of the Holy Spirit? I know I've, I've been asked questions like that when I, around the time I first got saved. This is for every single believer in Jesus Christ. This promise is unto you and to your children and all that are far off. Anyone who trusts in Jesus Christ. Christ. This help, this baptism is for all. This spiritual baptism is for all because you're one of God's people. It says in Hebrews 1 3, talks about Jesus. And at the end of verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 1, he says, He sat down after he purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And here's a picture. You know, when you sit down, what is it a picture of? It's, a, it's finished. At the end of the day, you can sit down, your work is over. Christ's work was finished. He is there by faith. He hears our prayers. The Father hears our prayers through him. He is there to to intercede for us. And that is help. See, the ascension is not just some little event that happens afterwards. It's talking about the promise. The promise of the Holy Spirit. So that when we are in trouble and we feel like giving up. Do you ever feel like giving up? The certain parts of your Christian walk are so difficult. And you're just like, oh, I don't know if I can face that anymore. That's the time to run to Christ. That's the time to be in prayer. When you feel absolutely hopeless, helpless in yourself. Because you are helpless in yourself. But not in Christ. 
there's a blessing actually when we realize it because we run to him and we, get, we go to the source of help itself. Question 54 of the Westminster Larger Catechism. It says, how is Christ exalted in the sitting at the right hand of God? Christ is exalted in the city at the right hand of God. It says a couple of things after this. But I want to emphasize one thing it says in this, in this answer. Because he sits at the right hand of God. It says, doth gather and defend his church. Isn't that amazing? Doth gather and defend his church. Subduing their enemies. Furnisheth his ministers. And people with gifts and graces. And maketh intercession for them. Blessings he has for us, his people, as he sits at the right hand of the majesty on high. Maybe, like we all do, we lack wisdom at times. Seek the Lord for wisdom. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. Proverbs 3, verse 5. He hears our prayers. He answers them and he gives us the strength that we need to endure. Our final point is proclaiming power. Proclaiming power. So we've looked at proclaiming proof, proclaiming promise. Now we're finally we're going to look at proclaiming power. This is the ascension. Christ shows his power in ascending up into heaven. He shows it openly. He could have done it immediately after his resurrection, but he does it openly. Verses 9 to 11 of Acts chapter 1. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched... Notice how he's, they're watching. He was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel who, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will also come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. The wonderful thing about this is as surely as he went visibly, he will return visibly. There'll be no secret return. There's a lot of groups throughout history have taught, oh, Jesus will come back, they set the day and go, oh yeah, he returned invisibly. Oh, that, that's convenient. But a lot of groups will claim that. He will come back in like manner. He will come back visibly as he did. There's no limit to his power. And he shows his power. He has infinite power. Nothing shortens his hand. He will return. He will return. Jesus said in Matthew 28 verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He proclaims power over his enemies. Nothing holds him. He is exalted. And as he himself is exalted what is also exalted the message of salvation the gospel because really the gospel we present to people is not just a bunch of facts and believe this and we present a person we present god we present a way to be at peace with god which is him we present jesus to people the gospel is powerful because jesus is powerful. And we serve this Christ, this Messiah, this ascended one. He is at the right hand of the majesty on high. And as he entered into heaven, we'll sing this in a, in a moment, but in Psalm 24, 
We'll just look at the last few verses in Psalm number 24 in our Bibles, from verses 7 to 10 of Psalm number 24. Look at the astonishment in heaven as the King of glory comes in. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. There is astonishment in heaven. Who is he? True God and true man. None dare enter. But he, no longer is his glory veiled like it once was. It was always glorious. But now it is more evident for all to see as he ascends up. He is shown to be as powerful as he truly is. And because we believe such things. Because we believe in the power of Christ. Because we believe in the power of his gospel. This is why we must evangelize. We must evangelize. What does Jesus say In Mark chapter 16. He goes to them. He sees them. He rebukes them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. And he says in verse 15 of Mark chapter 16. And he said to them. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. To every creature. Is that difficult neighbor of mine? Yeah, to every creature. How about that? Those people. Every creature. Everybody. Everybody. And it says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Basically, it's they believe, and out of that belief, what will they ordinarily, I say they ordinarily do, they will join the church. They will become a visible member of the church. This is kind of the the implication of this. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. It's, It's not that baptism saves by an action. But he who does not believe will be condemned. The unbeliever will be Condemned. But when we're going around, we're going around with a powerful message because we're providing or pointing towards a powerful Savior who sits on his throne today, powerful, powerful, equipping us, his people, to go into all the world, wherever he will place us. Says in Hebrews 1.8. But to the son he says your throne O God is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. But it just seems doesn't it. Our level of confidence in the message. Also impacts our, our level of evangelism. If you look at the fear that they had. Up until that point. They had doubts. They struggled. Thomas was, no, I don't believe. I want to put my hands into his side and into, his, into the holes of his hands before I'll believe. They struggled. But Jesus came among them and he rebuked their unbelief. And then once he gave them that power from on high, what did they do? They went everywhere. They went everywhere. So the mount that the church evangelizes it says a lot doesn't it of how much confidence we have in the message of the messenger 
of Christ himself. He, he goes, he sits on the right hand of the majesty on high. He is there and he is sending forth gifts. We talked about this in the catechism. Sending forth gifts, empowering his people, equipping his people, strengthening his people. So that they will be built up to, so that the kingdom would advance. The question that they asked Jesus in verse 6 of Acts chapter 1. Therefore when they come together... They asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They couldn't get this idea out of their heads, you know, some of the false notions that they had. And Jesus said this to them, verse 7, and he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. In that time, what should they be doing? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. So, you don't know the time. You don't know what's going to happen. Be about the, the, the master's business. And also at the same time, look at what the, the, these two men said. They're, they're, they're staring up. Our, our, our mentor is gone. Our master is gone. What do we do now? Why do you stare up into heaven? This same Jesus will return in like manner. Almost like saying, be about your business. Go and do the master's work. And the thing is, think about it. Um, you've got one farmer, he's working on a field, but he doesn't believe there's going to be any crop. This farmer, he, he goes there, but he's like, well, I don't know if anything's going to come out of this. The other farmer has complete confidence in the soil, he's complete confidence in the seed. Who's going to work harder? Who's going to work harder? Our efforts are not going to be the difference. I know that. The Lord gives the increase. But if we labor with expectation that he will return with power, what will it do to our efforts? We're all different. We're all different. We're all gifted in different ways. We all have, we're all part of the church. We can all support the church in different ways. Some of us are hands. Some of us are feet. Some of us are noses. Some of us are, it depends. It's all different. Some, some parts of the church are more visible than others. But the Lord has equipped you with something. It's just a question of what that something is. It says in question 53... How was Christ exalted in his ascension? I'm not going to read all of this answer here because it's quite a long answer, but one of the things it says in here, 40 days after his resurrection, he in our nature, as our head, triumphing over his enemies, visibly went up into the highest heavens, there to receive gifts for men. Isn't that amazing? To raise up our affections thither and to place to prepare a place for us. So when we're laboring, he goes to prepare a place for us. Are you ready for Christ's return? No, I don't mean do you know the time when he'll return. None of us know that. None of us know that. But are you looking for his return? Are you excited for his return? None of us know when we will breathe our last breath. None of us. But are we excited to see the risen Christ? Are we excited to to gaze upon him, to see him as he is? That he sits in the right hand of the majesty on high. He's glorious. 
And he is wonderful. And if you're going through difficult times, many people are these days, seek him. He has gifts to help. He went, see what he said to the apostles? He went away that it may be beneficial for them. And it would be beneficial as well for you. He seeks to bless and to help his people. He wants to help you. He doesn't want to crush you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to build you up. That his name may be honored and glorified in all the earth. Amen.